You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. Rolling solo this morning. Excited to talk a little Packers with you guys. I know the chat is already on fire. We're going to get to that here in just a second. I do want to apologize to Mike Hebring last night. He had a super chat. I don't know if it happened right as we ended the broadcast or if maybe I just overlooked it, but I definitely wanted to hit on that and say thank you, Mike, for supporting the channel, buddy. Um, He said Joe ran nine D-line stunts in game one versus the Bears with success. Game two, question mark. So we'll just kind of kick it off there. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and then we'll jump over to the PFF preview. We got a video from Kenny Clark, um, just an interview that Larry McCarron did with him, and we'll kind of dive into all that. We got a couple questions here in the chat already as well. So as far as the stunts, yes, we run a ton of stunts. Um, and on offense, I remember we threw a bunch of different run looks too. We ran pretty much everything. I mean, we ran reverse, we ran gap, we ran pin and pull, we ran wide zone, we ran inside zone. We did pretty much broke out the whole bag against Chicago that first time around. I think that's a positive for the Packers, or as McCarthy would say, a positive um, going into the second matchup because that gives them a lot to look at at that, that most recent matchup versus the Packers. You know, we always talk about how Pat Kerwin mentions in Take Your Eye Off the Ball 2.0. Teams will typically – now this is kind of the old way of thinking. I'm sure they still do it because we've still got a lot of veteran coaches in the league. They would go look at six – a six-game saturation of game tape, okay? So what they would do is they would look at the previous two head-to-head versus that coaching staff versus that team, and then they would also go back to the previous four games that the team just played, and that gives you a good four- to six-game saturation of what is that team trying to do, right? So the Bears are going to look at what the the Packers did to attack them the first time they played this year, but they're also going to kind of dig a little deeper into the past, and they're also going to look at the Packers' previous 
or last four games, if you will. So they're going to look at Minnesota real close. They'll probably go to the Giants tape and go, man, what did the Giants do so well to beat the Packers? We all know it was DeVito running up the middle, right? <laughs> That's kind of what forced that whole collapse. So, uh, you know, it, it what it comes down to is what does the team want to do to attack their current opponent? Do you want to keep it more on the more recent side, or do you want to dig a little deeper and go, hey, maybe this is the way we attack this team? If I'm doing a self-scout, I didn't plan on even saying this, so I don't even know what's going to come out of my mouth right now. If I was doing a self-scout on the Packers, what would be my approach to beating them? It would probably be try to establish the run and stick with the run and play with the lead, right? Because I think what we've seen here recently, the Packers have been able to jump up early and basically be able to put teams on their heels to the point where they're having to pass the ball a little more than they want to with inexperienced quarterbacks. Well, we know Justin Fields isn't a great passing quarterback. He's progressing every year. We've talked about it. I've caught a little heat for it. That's okay. I would rather catch a little heat for being honest than uh, get praise for being just a, a fan that's going to put my head in the sand and, and not give credit where credit's due, right? You could see them improving as a team, in my opinion. Many people talking about the defense in the chat. Um, you know, they're talking about Montez Sweat and how the defense changed when they got him. Now they're getting a ton of, ton of turnovers. And I put in the chat, pressure pick, coverage sack. Coverage sack, pressure pick, right? And the reason that you're seeing more turnovers with them is because they did go out and get Montez Sweat for I thought was a great deal for them. I know Packer fans were, you know, kind of making fun of them. I thought it was a good pickup. I thought Montez Sweat's a, a good edge defender, and he's going to put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And when you put pressure on opposing quarterbacks, it's going to force them to get the ball out earlier, to get it out off platform, to get it out inaccurately, which is going to lead to more interceptions. So am I worried about Montez Sweat? Not really, because we got arguably our best offensive lineman this year in Zach Tom, who should be lining up over him the majority of the day. Now, we know defenses like to get creative and move them around. I don't know exactly what that tendency is with Montez Sweat. The tape that I've seen, the majority of the time, he will be lining up over the right tackle. So um, that's one of the reasons. You've also got Jalen Johnson. We'll talk about him here in a second. Jalen Johnson, I know people like to kind of poke fun at him, that they think he's overrated. PFF has him graded out as the best corner in the game, if I remember correctly. So just a lot of things going for this defense. But back to Mike's question about – the nine line stunts in game one with success game two, you got to be careful because one thing that, that you're very vulnerable to, especially when you're playing a 34 jam, which is what we're probably going to be in the majority of the day with them running so much, not maybe not the majority, but a good chunk of the time, more than most teams that we face because they run a lot of 12 and a lot of 21 personnel. So you combine those percentage of snaps, both 12 and 21 will trigger our 34 base. And we all know with our 34 base, most of the time, we play 34 jam. There's been a couple of times we played Oki where we put the safety up there on the line as well, but not near as much as 34 jam. We just kind of like that one-gap approach. Let's, get, let's, let's stop the run on the way to the quarterback, really keep it simple. So um, with all that being said, Mike, the thing that worries me about running stunts now that you've got it on tape from the most recent matchup, screens. Screens worry me a little bit. Because as you start stunting and moving out of your out of your gap integrity, right? And you can and you can stunt and play run defense too, don't get me wrong. But when you get the focus of your edge defender and your outside defensive lineman in that 34 jam, which is typically playing anywhere from a five to a four I tech, what's gonna happen is you get them focused on okay, 
the defensive ends thinking, I've got to occupy the tackle and try to get him in the guard space while the edge defender or outside linebacker in Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith's job will be to try to get on the inside shoulder and then work the outside shoulder of the guard, the inside shoulder of the tackle, outside shoulder of the guard. Now you're you're getting them focused on their side adjustment. Their eyes are on, okay, where's my target zone? Where's my target zone? Oh, crap, there's a slip screen, right? Um, Self-scouting here. I'm not saying I want this to happen. I'm not trying to put a bad juju on the Packers. I'm just simply, if you ask me that question, Mike, how do you attack that in the second matchup? I'm going screen central. I'm also going smoke screen. We're not going to allow them to have time to hit home with those uh, those stunts. Now, Joe Barry may come out and say, you know what? We showed a lot of stunts last time. Let's just straight up rush here. Let's straight up rush with a little mid-spy. That could be the case, right? My goal will be the same goal as week one. We said it way back then, 17 weeks ago. Let's make Justin Fields play quarterback, not this dynamic approach to, uh, to uh, you know, being the, the scrambling threat, the, threat, the uh, RPR threat, all of that. Uh, you know, another thing you got to watch out for is the read option. There's been at times this year we've crashed. We've seen Anigbare crash in on the read option and, and lose, lose uh, contain. We've seen LVN do it. We've also seen LVN play it well and our second-level defenders at that linebacker slash Oki spot or nickel spot are late to the point of attack, and it doesn't even matter that LVN uh, set the edge perfectly. So that's something else to look for there, too. And when you start running stunts, if you run a stunt, boy, that makes covering the read option a lot different. So you might uh, – maybe they they ran so many stunts because they're in 12 and 21 so much. It's like, hey, look, everything is so confined in that personnel. And 21 is just simply two running backs, one tight end triggers a base defense. 12 is one running back, two tight ends, which still triggers a tw- the base defense. I need to say that just in case we have some new listeners. So there's there's a lot of different ways this thing can go. One thing I know is the whole season's on the line, right? And this is just like last week. This is a playoff game, and it's exciting. And it's going to be played at Lambeau Field. So if you're going to the game and you're hearing my voice, let's get loud, man. Let's create a ruckus. I wish I was there. I wanted to be there. Couldn't make it this year. Um, but uh, you guys get loud and have some fun with it, man. And, and, and again, the thing that gives me the most hope is Jordan Love. If he sustains this play, not only this game and somehow some way we get into the playoffs, if he continues to pr- protect the football the way he is and managing this offense absolutely perfectly, um, sky's the limit, really is. I think the defense can hold up. You guys know how I feel about that. I think that when the guys play schematically sound, this defense can play with just about anybody in the league. The problem is they haven't played schematically sound maybe a third of the season, right? The first third of the season more specifically. Got a little bit of good play there right around the halfway mark, and then the wheels fell off. Of course, last week, pretty good game, right? Should have held them to three points, had the block punt. That made it 10. But nonetheless, I think I think their performance there last week um, was a top five performance as far as points per game across the league. So let's get to the chat real quick. I know I had a couple of them started that were in here early. That's another thing too, guys. If you ever got a question that you want to ask us on the show, whether it's me and Tim or me and Amelia or whoever, the best time to fire that question in is in the pre-show chat. Because just before I go live, I'm usually up there about five or 10 minutes early and I can go through and go, Hey, that's a good question. Hey, that's a good comment and market. Right. Um, so 
if you ever say, man, I'd like to ask them this question, but it kind of gets lost in the chat because sometimes we'll have, I think we've had 300 people on the live stream before. It's easy to get you know, lost in the shuffle. We'll always read the super chats and we really appreciate y'all donating. I always want to honor that because I know uh, guys and guys love supporting the stream and we appreciate them doing it. So we'll always read those. But if you really want a question or something, ask if you fire it in the pre-show chat. Can't guarantee, but there's a good chance that we can get to it that way. So Nick McSwain in the chat earlier said, I feel like after the Bears got sweat, their season did a 180. Seems like the whole D is playing better since he was traded. How does that even happen, LOL? Nick, you remember us talking. You've heard us talk all year long, I'm sure, man, on how we say uh, these positions of, of tier of importance, right? On defense, I've got two positions that I feel like are tier one of importance, premier positions, if you will, edge defender and inside defensive lineman which you need one of each of those to have a solid defense. If you don't if you don't have a solid edge defender and you don't have a solid guy in the middle that can play a good 3 tech, doesn't even have to be great, although we'll take it. We that's that's what we're looking for in Green Bay. We're looking for that guy. Some people say that's Kenny Clark. I think Kenny's a great player, but he is not what we're looking for in a just dominant 3 tech player, right? Playing playing within, he can play nose, but you can also bounce him out to a to a you know a, a three tech or even a four eye if you need them to get really disruptive and isolate the the outside of the blocking scheme there with a wide nine or even a seven tech. So you know when it comes to those premier positions, it's why we always talk about edge defender. This is the perfect case study in Sweat. Sweat isn't playing like all world. I think he's grading out somewhere in the mid seventies, right? But this is the perfect case study for when you've got a good, a solid edge defender, it changes the whole dynamic of your defense. Because one, there's really a couple of different things that happen. First, they start to establish pressure on the quarterback, which is going to rush the ball out, make it inaccurate, make you throw off platform, blow up the whole play, right? And then the second thing, that the second stage of that happening is when you start to roll the cover, roll the protection to him, like you're, you're fanning right. Okay, so with Sweat, what if you had to fan over and double team block him? Now you're making another spot on that defensive or on that offensive line weak, right? That's kind of the whole evolution of how a good edge defender can change your game. Now, imagine if you've got someone like a Rashawn Gary or a Preston Smith or a Sweat on the outside, and now you add in a Kenny Clark or an Aaron Donald or someone like that on the interior. Now you're seeing you've got to pick your poison. Are we going to double Kenny? Are we going to double that guy? Which I don't think Kenny is that elite player. Some people believe he does. I love him as a player. I love him even more as a person. But I, I just I am not a I'm not an absolute believer in that. I'm just not. I haven't seen it. I think he's a great pass rusher. I think he's a great team leader. Um, he just hasn't been able to put it all together, in my opinion. Um, not for the money that we're having to allocate with the cap, right? I'm not saying he's not worth the money because anyone who's willing to pay him that money, therefore that makes him worth the money. Right. Um, it's like when you sell a house, you can say my house is worth more than that. Not if someone's not willing to pay it. Right. It goes the same way in the NFL. Someone's willing to pay Kenny what we're paying Kenny then he's worth it. That's what the market drives. Right. Now, is he underperforming? That's a different debate. Right. So, but again, man, you're right. Someone like sweat, it completely changes their defense. It does. It, it, it can, it can completely now you've got pressure getting in the quarterback's face. All of a sudden, their interceptions go up, their turnovers go up because they're having to focus on, all right, we got to keep this guy off the quarterback. Everybody's getting antsy. 
and, and he's not even an all-world beater, right? That's what's crazy. So appreciate the comment there, Nick. Thank you so much, buddy. Um, Boz in the chat said, the difference one person can make like us with Woodson all those years ago. Think about that, too. Pressure pick, coverage sack. Remember all the pick sixes that Woodson had? I remember the one in Cincinnati. That one stood out to me. Remember the Nick Collins pick sixes? Remember the Tremont Williams pick sixes? You know why those were happening? Because you had Clay Matthews and B.J. Raji getting after the quarterback. Pressure pick, coverage sack. Now, before before Clay Matthews arrived, right, if, if I'm remembering correctly, before Clay Matthews arrived and you started getting all that pressure on the quarterback, what was happening, right? You were – before all the picks – you had Woodson shutting people down, right? And now you're getting pressure in the quarterback's face because there's better coverage on the backside. Then Dom Caper starts getting really creative with firing the nickel blitzes, the cat blitzes, the fire zones, all that stuff. And now you're just messing with the quarterback's head. So, um, yeah, good stuff, man. Appreciate you guys bringing that up. Love that kind of conversation. Some people were going, I didn't know I was coming in here to nerd out on football X's and O's. Well, now you know, and you probably never be back, and we appreciate you swinging by. I know many people don't look for this kind of content, but it's what we try to provide here from time to time. When I got the crew with me, it's, hey, let's cut loose and talk about what everybody wants to talk about. I never want to control the conversation. But when it's just me in here, you're going to get nerd football football 101 for sure. Uh, Ty Fisher just became a new YouTube member of the PTA Posse. Appreciate you supporting the stream, Ty. Um, you'll be entered into the contest to win the David Bakhtiari Autographed jersey we're going to be giving away during the post-game show um, here after the Bears game. Hopefully we're celebrating a dub, but nonetheless, we're still going to give away an autographed David Bakhtiari jersey. Uh, for anyone who's a YouTube member, you'll be entered into the contest. We'll put your name on the wheel. We'll spin it during the post-game show and give that away. So we appreciate you supporting the stream. Again, that's something we didn't promote to get YouTube members up. It's just when we started the channel, I didn't realize, hey, we got members list. How are they joining? I, I had to have members explain to me how they're joining. <laughs> and I was like, well, crap, man, if they're actually spending a little bit of money to support the stream, why don't I try to do some kind of giveaway? So that's what we're going to do. We've also got several listeners that are donating things to the show, which is really cool because they're like, hey, man, I got some extra memorabilia laying around. I've got some autograph cards, stuff like that. I know United Bates is one. Um, there's a couple other people that have reached out, and I apologize for not remembering everybody's name. We're, we're growing pretty quick here. It's really cool, but we're going to be giving away some autograph cards. Um, I think there's a Jaden Reed card in there that someone mentioned. I think there's an Aaron Jones autograph card. Really cool pieces of memorabilia. And, again, we do that for our YouTube members just to kind of repay you for uh, – for obviously uh, supporting the stream. So we appreciate you guys and gals. Um, let's see if there's anything else in the chat here before we kind of dive into everything else. Um, just want to make sure. Um, here we go. Lucky. Lucky gets it. He says, is this class nerd football 101? If so, I'm in the right place. <laughs> yeah, you got that right, man. I like the glasses on that emoji too, my man, for sure. Um, let's see here. I like Omer says, I get my box jersey tonight, don't I? There you go. No, not tonight, Omer. Don't you start with me this morning. It's early. Um, all right. What's funny is Omer's name will get drawn, and then Eric Sutherland will be in here saying it's rigged, right? So it's just a matter of time before that happens. But, again, Mike Evering, thank you for the super chat, bud. Sorry I overlooked it last night. Things got a little bit off the rails, as it always does. When you get a bunch of knuckleheads in here just talking ball. Um, let's start off with the PFF summary real quick, if that's cool with you guys and gals. I'm going to go ahead and kill my camera so y'all ain't got to stare at me the rest of the show. So PFF summary. They've got the overall ranking of the Chicago Bears 18th. Now, some people were sitting there going, Clayton, I've been told by other podcasters that the Bears are hot garbage. I've been saying it for weeks, man. They're improving. They're, they are. 
Do I wish it weren't true? Absolutely. But if you see it, you got to say it. I'm kind of impressed with their improvement. They seem to be going in the right direction. Now, are they are they kind of playing with the house's money because they're on the on the positive side or positive side of these, uh, you know, however many game saturations that teams are scouting them, they're kind of catching them off guard? It could be that. We'll find out more about this coaching staff next year for sure when we start the season and go, okay, do they carry this into the season or do they come out flat as a hammer again and just hit these little spurts, right? Um, the same can kind of be said for the Packers to a certain extent. But PFF has them 18th. PFF has the Packers 13th. Okay, just to kind of show you there, just five spots higher than the Bears. You're seeing, we'll talk about it here in a minute. It's a three right now. The spread is at three points, right? Um, The money line, you can get Chicago at plus 136. Again, we'll hit on it in a second. The over-under is 45. But these teams are a little more evenly matched than some people would would lead you to believe. Now, as far as power ranking on defense, power ranking on defense, Chicago is 14th. The Packers are 19th, okay? Power the power ranking on offense, the Bears are 14th, the Packers are now seventh. This is according to PFF. Okay, so some people are going, ESPN's got that different. That's totally cool, but that's that's how PFF has it ranked. Okay, so when you look at it from that standpoint, who's got the edge overall? The Packers have got the edge defensively, the Bears have got the edge offensively, the Packers have got the edge and strength of schedule played. The Bears are 28th, the Packers are 25th. So a little bit more in the Packers' favor, like, hey, look, we've played a little bit tougher opponents, but I don't think that's too much that you have to really key in on that. Now, when you go to percentage of run plays, they're running the ball 42.8% of the time. We're running the ball 39% of the time, okay? So what is that, roughly a a little less than or a little more than 3%, right? 3.8%, I believe, is the number there. So percentage of pass plays, 57.2 for the Bears. We're throwing 61% of the time. So we definitely like to throw the ball a little more than Chicago does. EPA per run, they are negative 0.03, okay? Uh, That's expected points added, and that is a metric that SIS uses, okay? Now, when you go to EPA per run for the Packers, it's negative 0.07, okay? So both of them. Uh, in the negative there, and again, that's not to that's not to say whoa negative. That's really bad. That's the you you have to compare it across the league, right? And what we're doing here is just comparing two opponents. EPA per pass, they are negative point zero nine. We are positive point one four. So we are the more dominant passing team. There's no doubt about it. But again, our passing attack isn't playing Justin Fields. It's playing the Bears defense. So that's the matchup you got to look at. So when you look at our EPA per run and per pass, and how does it match up against their defense, they've got the 14th-ranked defense, right? So they're kind of a middle-of-the-pack defense. That would suggest the passing game should be able to have a pretty decent game, right? And I know Tim last night was very, uh, very passionate about saying, I don't care how good their run defense, we need to establish the run. I love the intensity of that. I love the passion of that. And if we can make it happen, sign me up. But if you come out and you run on first down and you get one, two yards – and you do that every drive, and you're playing behind the sticks, by the time you get into deep into the second quarter, maybe the third, you might want to start looking at, okay, let's take advantage of these first down passes. Now, the Packers will do that earlier. I think that's what's frustrated all of us, myself included. They'll come out on first down and pass the ball. You know, it's it's always been said, and it's true, the best time to pass the ball is on first down. The problem is the game flow aspect of your game planning, that's the part that's going to suffer, right? So. Um, just to kind of give you an idea, though, of, of where they sit, that's how the numbers look. As far as quarterback comparison, 
Justin Fields is now up to a 75.1, according to PFF. Okay. Jordan Love is at 81.3. I know that's going to surprise a lot of people because we've got people dogging Justin Fields like he is just, he's gotten worse this year somehow, some way. I hope he gets worse this week, but you got to give credit where credit's due. Like I said, he's raised about five points according to PFF. And you can see it when you turn on the tape. He looks like a little bit different quarterback. He really does. Still is nowhere near where he needs to be throwing the, the football, but just as dynamic, if not more explosive, running the football and controlling this run game for Chicago. So passer rating when clean, Justin Fields is 95.2. Passer rating when clean, Jordan Love is 99.3. Passer rating under pressure, 72.0 for Fields, 78.9 for Love. Big-time throw percentage, Fields is at 4.4%. Jordan Love is at 4.9%. Turnover-worthy play percentage, 3.3% of the time, Justin Fields is having a turnover-worthy play. Jordan Love is at 2.39%. Power rating is at 2.0 for Fields. Power rating for uh, Love is 3.0. In your power rating rank, Fields is actually 12th in the league, and Jordan Love is 8th. So according to PFF power rating rank, um, they've got Love in the top 10 now, Justin Fields just outside of it. So just to kind of give you guys. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. An idea of how that all shakes out there, according to PFF. Now, when you look at the Bears' schedule, you know, we talked about the last four-game saturation. What's been their four-game saturation? They beat the Falcons 37-17. to You know, the Falcons team that beat us, right? They beat on 37-17. to um, The Arizona Cardinals, they beat the Arizona Cardinals 27-16. to They lost to the Browns 20-17, to and they beat the Lions 28-13. to So, again, this is a much-improved team. If you go back to a five-game saturation, they beat the Vikings 12-10. to so that defense held the Vikings to 10, the Lions to 13, the Browns to 17, I'm sorry, to 20. Uh, they held the Cardinals to 16 and the Falcons to 17. So the defense has been playing much better. And when you're putting up 37 points on the Falcons, 27 points on the Cardinals, and, and 17 points, even 17 points on the Browns with that good defense that they have in Cleveland, um, 28 points against the Lions defense that's really had our number. Uh, you know, last year, thank thank God for Thanksgiving this year, just shows you, man, they've improved quite a bit. They really have. So now they were only out able to muster out, you know, 12 points against the Vikings, right? Um, but uh, still got the dub there. And uh, what do the Vikings do? They like to either drop eight into coverage or blitz more than six, right? That's kind of their MO. We just played them this week. So might see a blitz-heavy scheme here. From old Joe Barry. I mean, I'm interested to see how it plays out. All right, let's move on to the green line real quick. <clears throat> the green line, the Packers are still three-point favorites. PFF has it at negative 2.2, okay? So what does that mean? It means PFF suggests that it's going to be closer than that three-point. And really, when you got a three-point favorite at home, guys, you're saying it's a push. You're saying, hey, this game could go either way. Typically, the home teams get three points from Vegas, just about. I mean, I mean, it's it's a large percentage of the time. So PFF and their analytics has it at rather than minus three for Green Bay, it's minus two point two, saying it's going to be a little closer than what Vegas is suggesting. When you watch that, when you look at those kind of analytics drop into place, you go, hmm, this is going to be a little bit closer. Something else I noticed, which we'll talk about here in a minute with BetUS, is the over under and some of the odds with some of the alternate over under numbers which makes me think this is going to be lower scoring than some people might believe. I'm kind of leaning toward if I were to make a suggestion. It's not betting you, boss. I don't do that on this show. I am a knucklehead redneck from Tennessee. I'm not a professional gambler, okay? But every week, something kind of pops out to me. Last week, I went, man, I really like Green Bay. Really like Green Bay with this plus one. I just feel good about this matchup. They both race the Vikings. This week, I'm looking at the under going, I'm kind of liking the under here. So just something to Keep in mind there. Now, as far as the cash, 91% of the cash is on Chicago uh, spread, you know, plus three, 75% of the tickets. I did point out last night another statistic that came out is the Chicago Bear fans were, I think they were in the top three of most uh, or least successful gambling fan bases in the entire country. So take that with a grain of salt as far as the money, the, ca- the, the cash and the tickets. Now, as far as the money line, who's going to win outright? There is 60% of the cash on Chicago, 53% of the tickets on Chicago, okay? So the public is on uh, – the public uh, gambling is on uh, on Chicago to win outright. Just keep that in mind. And, again, Chicago's a big city. Chicago's a big fan base. That could be skewing those numbers a little bit too. 
Just to take that into consideration. The over-under set at 45. PFF has it at 43.9. It kind of goes hand-in-hand with what I was talking about there, going, hmm, they're expecting it to be under as well. So just something to keep an eye on there. I do want to say that we uh, we want to say thanks to BetUS for becoming the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. We appreciate them jumping on board. If you guys want to support the stream and do it in a way that costs zero dollars, um, you can just go to the link in the description of this video. That will send you directly to BetUS where you can register for free as a customer. It will also allow you to make a deposit so you can begin putting some action on the game using BetUS. Um, so just keep that in mind. They're a, a great interface. I've switched all of my action over to them. They have the line at plus three as well for Chicago, minus three for Green Bay. I want you to look at the alternate uh, over-unders there on the right side. You know, the over-under is set at 45, obviously, at minus 110 at the odds. Look at the over-under for the 20 and a half, right? It's minus 130. Look at the minus to go under 23 and a half. It's minus 105. So just kind of kind of keep that in mind there. I was, I was looking at that going, hmm, that kind of pops out to me. Feeling really good about taking the under of 45. So, um, again, that's BetUS. They have uh, been America's favorite sports book, now celebrating their 30th year in business, established in 1994. They are the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. We appreciate them uh, jumping on board with us for sure. Now let's move on to some of the individual matchups. Uh, let's go to offensive 12 personnel. All right, so we're talking PFF grades now, right? And I'll try to get back to the chat. Let me let me just take a quick glance through the chat and make sure I'm not overlooking anything, make sure I didn't miss any uh, super chats. Okay, we're good. Good deal. All right, so PFF, 12 personnel. Um, we'll start on offense here and kind of run through it and see, all right, what, what do the matchups look like? With the Packers offensive line, the start up front, Rasheed Walker, 64.7, Elton Jenkins, 64.7. According to PFF, Rasheed Walker has played just as good as Elton Jenkins. This has been a down year for Elton Jenkins, I believe. Personally, I think that's uh, that's a fair assessment. Now, when you look at it, he's, what, the 26th? highest graded uh, guard in the league. So that's definitely within starting caliber. Maybe the guard play, according to PFF, is down all the way across the league, could be. Josh Myers, we got to get this fixed, man. It's something that's holding holding this uh, offense back, and there's not much holding this offense back right now the way they're playing, man. So Josh Myers, 54.7. He's the 28th highest graded center of only 36. So – um, he's at the bottom of the – I mean, listen, if he was a fifth-round pick, I'd go, okay, it's not terrible. It's not horrible, right? But when you take him in the second round, you've got to acknowledge your mistake there. You, It's it's that – we would all agree that center is an important position. It's it's in tier two of my, uh, you know, you know, as far as importance, right, of premier positions. Left tackle and quarterback are in tier one. Center is in tier two than everything else. It's that important. I think the Packers would agree because what did they do? They went out and drafted one in the second round. It just so happens that it's it's looking more and more like they missed, right? Some people are going, Clayton, I've been telling you they missed for two years. I respect that, and I can't disagree with you. <laughs> I'm not a huge Myers fan. I don't like the dog on the players. Um, you know, I don't want to be that podcaster, but you you got to call it. You got to call it like you see it, and uh, we could do a lot better at center. I believe that. We could also do a lot better at right guard. John Runyon, 53.0. I know some people are calling for Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan has been no better. He's grading out bad, too, and you see it on the tape, just inconsistency, right? When you see this happening over the majority of your offensive line and you see the run-blocking grades and you go watch the tape and you see the technique within the run-blocking game and, it, and it's it's less than stellar in the footwork, you got to look up eventually and go, okay, maybe 
maybe Coach Buckus isn't the offensive line coach of the future. I'm just saying. And I know Matt is very loyal to his staff, and hopefully they can turn it around. But I kind of feel like you could do a little better there. That's just my personal opinion. Maybe you go get someone who's, you know, uh, either coaching at a lower level or maybe someone who used to coach at a high level, offensive line coach, and say, hey, how about we pay you a good chunk of money for you to come in and be our offensive line coach. I don't think that would hurt on the offensive side of the ball. But Zach Tom at right tackle, though, 77.9. What a steal in the draft. you got to give Goody credit for that. Um, he's the 14th highest-graded tackle in the league. I think he's still a top-five graded right tackle, if I remember correctly. So uh, Zach Tom has just been the uh, the big bright spot on this offensive line all year. So let's go to their front four. They play a 43 look, okay? They play a lot of 4-3 zone. They play uh, – I, I want to say it's like – it's only like it's less than 20% man coverage. So they're mostly in zone coverage. At right defensive end, you've got uh Walker at 59.8. At defensive tackle, you have got 50.6 Jones. You got Billings at left defensive tackle at a 67.5. And then you've got Montez Sweat at a 74.3. He's the 37th highest graded edge defender. So you see, he's not like all world, he being Sweat, but he is a solid defender, right? And it has changed this defense. There's no doubt about it. When we jump to the linebackers, let's back up and look at the tight ends, okay? You got uh, Tucker Craft at a 61.7. He's 33rd highest in the league now. And you got Ben Sims at 61.4. Now, we know Musgrave, there's a chance he plays. If Musgrave's back, that could be a huge boost, but we've also got to take into consideration two things. Probably going to be on a snap count, right, on a, on a pitch count, if you will. Like, they'll limit his snaps. And also, he's going to be rusty. To just think he's going to come in and be the old Musgrave, you know, the it took it took a few weeks to get Musgrave to kind of peak Musgrave for you know as young as he is. I can't expect I don't think it's realistic to expect him to come out and play to that level. So what I would like to see if he is active on Sunday, is maybe he and Sims split snaps. You know what I mean? Split time, maybe go 50-50 there, and let Tucker Craft be that number one tight end. Which I personally think it's still early. Luke Musgrave may come out and blow the doors off what Tucker Craft's done this year, right? But as it sits right now, man, I got to say Tucker Craft's probably the guy. He's probably tied in number one. He is just—he's got zero drops this year. He's been so efficient. You see it all over the tape. He's getting better at run blocking. PFF disagrees. I kind of push back a little bit when I see the tape and I hear other former pro athletes talk about how he's getting better at run blocking. Um, so. Uh, He's grading out as the 33rd highest graded tight end. That's borderline starter. And, you know, we see a lot of 11 personnel across the league. But uh, that's that's it. Tucker Craft 61.7. Ben Sims, 61.4. Let's go to their linebackers. You got TJ Edwards, 82.1. You want to know why this defense is playing so good? Look at how you've got a good defender at every level of defense here. They play a lot of zone, which means Johnson on the outside, we'll get to in a second, is going to be playing a lot of deep third, right? That 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 deep, that third level of defense, if you will, not center of the field, but still you've got a great player at that level. you got a great player at the middle level, and T.J. Edwards who's grading out as the sixth highest linebacker at 82.1. And then you've got Montez Sweat getting pressure on the quarterback as well, right? And the run defense has been playing really good, if I remember correctly. Uh, so you've got Edmonds in the middle, 56.4. That looks like it was a swing and a miss in free agency, although their defense is continuing to play well. I'm sure they're not too upset about it. And then you've got Sanborn um, as the other linebacker, what appears to be what would be your Sandbacker um, at a 66.4. So 
You've got essentially you've got Edmonds as your Mike, you've got Samburn as your Sam, and you've got Edwards as your Will. Okay, and that just simply means Will means weak side backer, Mike means middle linebacker, and Sam means strong side linebacker in your forty-three base look. Now, when we move to the receiver spot, actually, let's let's hit the running back real quick since we since we were hitting on the linebackers. Aaron Jones is now up to a 71.5. Aaron Jones gave me a lot of hope there on New Year's Eve. He he looked like the old Jonesy, and I'm really excited to see if he can continue to build off of that. Obviously, Jordan Love continues to rise through the ranks. He's now the 13th highest-graded quarterback at 81.3, and I think it was since week 12. He is the highest-graded quarterback in the entire NFL, according to PFF, if I remember that metric correctly. So now when we look to the receiver side, you got Watson possibly returning. I think there's a good chance he's going to return this week, 69.1. And you got Dobbs at 69.2. Some people are going, where's Jaden Reed? This is our base look. This is the problem I have right now, guys. Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks, from what I've seen on film, looking at the analytics, look at the receiver ratings, everything across the board, the SIS data, the PFF grades, watching the tape, I feel like personally Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks are your top two receivers on this team. Now, Watson could shut me up this weekend. I hope he does because the last two games he was active, boy, did he look good. And Romeo Dobbs, when you need a play and the game's on the line, who's he looking? Who's Love looking for? He's looking for Dobbs. He looked for him on that whole shot on the nine fade with the game on the line, then went right back to him later that drive and got the go-ahead touchdown a couple weeks ago, right? So he's kind of that go-to guy. When the game's on the line, think player, not play type thing. Dobbs is definitely one of the guys that Love likes to look to. So when you look at it from that matchup standpoint, what do their corners look like? Jalen Johnson is a dog this year. It's just, it's absolutely wild. He's a 90.8. He's the highest graded corner in all of football. Okay. And and you know, when you when you look at it too, like it's an outlier. I'm I'm holding out hope it's an outlier, that that's not going to be the norm when it comes to Jalen Johnson. Okay. And the reason being is because He's he's gotten a little bit better every year, if I remember correctly, but this is a huge jump from his previous, I think, what, two years, three years, whatever it was. I think he was drafted in 2020, if I remember correctly. So it kind of feels like he's overperforming this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if next year he kind of drops down a bit. But you got to give credit where credit's due. Jalen Johnson's playing his arse off this year. There's no two ways about it, man. Uh, Packer up. I want to say uh, thank you real quick, buddy. We see that you were became a member of the PTA Posse. Appreciate you joining up there, man. We'll make sure that you – absolutely adorable profile pic, by the way, man. That's awesome, dude. Um, we will make sure we get you entered into the contest to win the autographed David Bakhtiari jersey uh, during the post-game show this Sunday night. But thanks for jumping on board there. But, yeah, Jalen Johnson's a stub. Uh, safety, free safety behind him. You've got Kareem Jackson now down to a 57.6. That's definitely a weak spot of this defense. you got Jaquan Brisker, who – uh, absolutely talk trash about Jordan Love after that first game we played him early in the season, saying he's nothing special. Basically, we'll see him again. I, I love that. I hope that's all over the bulletin board um, at 1265 and in all the meeting rooms, especially the offensive meeting rooms, going, hey, look, this dude said you are trash, Jordan Love, and let the whole offense know it. One thing we learned about this offense, what Bo Melton was talking about, how Jordan Love is doing the same thing that Aaron Rodgers did when he took over for Brett. You know, Brett became disconnected as he got older, right? and he stopped hanging out with the guys. Just kind of natural evolution of an NFL player. 
you get married, you got kids, you stop hanging out with 22 year olds. I'm just sorry. Anyone who disagrees with that, I've got to be like, I don't know, guys. I, th- I don't hang out with any 22 year olds that I was working with. That's just me personally. Maybe you do. Maybe you're hanging on and having a midlife crisis, but that's just something I don't do. Um, but when Aaron took over for Brett, he started hosting those dinners. He was actually hosting Bible studies at his house. I remember John Coon and the guys talking about it. I was like, man, this is so refreshing. As Aaron aged, he stopped doing that, right? Now Jordan's doing it. Guys, there's something special that happens when you do those type of things. Bo Melton, I'm telling you, I, I loved hearing him talk about that because you can create some – get a real boost to team chemistry doing that type of stuff. And they're watching film together during those meetings. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. But Jaquan Brisker running that mouth, running that trap, I guarantee you those guys and, and hearing Bo Melton and the boys talk about how much they love Jordan Love, they want to have Jordan Love's back this weekend. So I am so glad, so glad that Justin Fields came out and basically took a shot at Green Bay and said there's nothing to do there. Pretty much it's a crap town is what he's saying. That's what he meant. I, that's, that's what I heard anyway. Uh, Jaquan Brisker come out right after the game and said Jordan Love is nothing special. We'll see him again. Put that on the bulletin board everywhere at 1265. Don't let anybody remember. Don't let anybody forget that everybody was picking the Bears to win, you know, ten games, twelve games this year, and the Packers are going to be hot garbage because we finally didn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Put it all over the bulletin board, man. So the other side, you got Stevenson coming in at sixty point eight. He's the eighty first highest grade corner. There's going to be opportunities in the secondary. What do you got to look for? What do you got to stay away from? They play a lot of zone defense. How do you beat zone? Crosser. A crossing route, a climb route, especially with our slot cross concept we use so much, is a man and a zone beater. It runs away from man and through zone, right? You can create two windows. Actually, when you throw the slot cross concept in, it's a crosser with the backside dig. You've got two windows per route. You've got the early window, the late window for the crosser. You've got the early window and the late window for the the backside dig. So, you're going to have four opportunities to attack zone with that particular concept. That comes to mind for me about playing a zone heavy team. Okay. So just keep that in mind. All right. That we're probably going to be using a lot of slot cross. I could see that. The other thing too, to beat zone coverage is you want to, you want to overpopulate zone. Okay. You want to, amass numbers within zone. You want to outnumber them in zone. You want to flood those zones. You want to give yourself three options in a two-man defense, essentially. You're trying to create these isolation plays. What did Greg Cosell talk about playing quarterback, right? It's elimination, isolation. You come to the line of scrimmage, you eliminate. All right, what are they doing? Okay, we'll eliminate this aspect of the concept. We're definitely not doing that because pre-snap judgment says it's this, isolation. Eliminate that. Now, where do we isolate our matchup? you got to isolate your matchup by, tr- by trying to find a zone that's got two guys in it and flood it with three targets. That's what you're looking for, with multiple windows. That's something Jordan's done well here in the second half for sure. Um, okay, let's see if Jacob Buss super chatted me here <laughs> just to say shoot me a link, Clayton. Um, you should have it in the Twitter group, Jacob, if you're talking about joining, buddy. Um, I don't know if you're talking about joining the stream or not, but if you are, it should be in – the chat there, if I remember correctly. Let me see here. Let me check real quick. This is good podcasting right here. Jacob, buddy. Uh, no, I did not send it. Well, look at me dropping the absolute ball here. I apologize, man. I like that you said 65%, though. Let me see if I can get you the link without jumping in here. Give me just one second, guys. I apologize. I know Tim was sick, and it got kind of got me sidetracked. I didn't even send the guys the link over there. 
All right, you should have it now, Jacob. It should be coming through right now, buddy. We kill the cedar too while we're dead in the water. I have roasting back here. All right, we woke up and it was 19 degrees this morning, so I'm I'm up here burning up now. We got we had the heat cranking. Um, you should have the link now, Jacob. I'll look for you to join, buddy. Sorry, I didn't see that super chat sooner. Um, but he did say it, so we got to hit it once for you guys since uh, Jacob already let the cat out of the bag. 65%. 65%. We- All right, so as far as attacking the zone defense, that's kind of the approach you need to take. You need to flood those zones. It's going to be a zone heavy. Now watch them come out and play 80% man coverage. That has happened before, right? You go in, you look at their last four-game saturation, go, man, they're, they're, they're just playing zone. Let's pick a bunch of zone beaters. You come out in the first half and they're playing primary man. You're like, oh, crap. That happens all the time. That's part of the gamesmanship. So um, something to keep our eye on there for sure, too. Now, let's move on to 11 personnel for the offense. As we hit the 44-minute mark, we got to kind of crank it up here, get moving a little quicker. Um, 11 personnel, what changes? They're going to take out a linebacker, right, which was a booty cheeks linebacker, so they're not too concerned about it. And they're going to put in Gordon in the slot at a 66.5. Slightly an improvement for them over the Sam backer that was in. Okay. So now that you've got Gordon in, what does that trigger? Jaden Reed, 74.1. Jaden Reed looks like he's poised. If we stay away from Jalen Johnson's side of the field now, it's kind of easier said than done. Um, I don't know what is going on here, man. I sent it to you, Jacob. I'm going to try it again. See if you got it now, buddy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm not seeing it in here for him, Clayton. Okay. That's Emilio. All right. So, when you, when you talk about Jaden Reed and how you can attack this slot, right, look at the opposite side corner. So that doesn't necessarily mean, okay, we can just bully that side of the field up because they're weaker, right? You got Brisker over there. Ironically, the one running his mouth is, is one of the weaker links of the team. You got Stevenson on that side of the field. You now got Edmonds on that side of the field. That'll all determine, you know, they can, they can mix and match that with their specific game plan. So we got to keep that in mind as well. So, when you kind of look at how you attack, well, that's just real easy, Clayton. Why don't we just attack the opposite side of the field of Jalen Johnson, right? That's that that seems to be kind of okay. That's the that's the approach we need to take. Well, the problem with that is they can roll the coverage in that direction. They can go with a cover six look. What's a cover six look? It's quarter quarter half half in the way we're looking at this screen right here. One half of the field could be cover two, where you only got a safety covering, you know deep and you could even play some zone match principles. The other side could be cover four and you can even slide Edwards to cheat that direction too and let Jalen Johnson play a little modified Meg look where he's kind of shutting down that side of the field. Do I think Jalen Johnson or any corner in the game is good enough to cover two or three receivers? Absolutely not. I'm just saying getting into the psyche, the mindset of this defense, that might be how they attack it. So need to kind of keep that in mind as well. That's something uh, that they, uh, they may try to take that approach there as we move closer to the game. So um, let's see here. Yeah, you guys should have it, man. I just checked the chat again. Let's go on to defense now. Before we get into defense, this would be a good time. Let me play a quick video. This is a cool interview from Kenny Clark. I thought it was awesome. Um, it was Larry McCarron, The Rock, did this interview. Really, really cool. Um, just talking about how Kenny, I think he's hit a career high in sacks, and people will go, Clayton, I thought you had a bad year. Because it's not just about getting pressure on the quarterback. The reason our run defense struggled this year is because we're kind of playing reckless up front. I'm not suggesting Kenny does, but when you turn on the tape, you don't see Kenny at at Aaron Donald's level. You don't see Kenny at a a Jalen Carter's level, even a rookie defensive lineman, right? But, man, he can get after the quarterback, and that's the strength of this defense. That's why it would suggest why don't we play more in coverage, right? That's the the devil's advocate here. Why don't we play 
more in coverage and just bring four rushers, right? That's another approach you could take because you could get some pressure with Kenny Clark, especially if you get him isolated on the right side from the offensive line's perspective. What I would love to see is a little four-eye with Kenny on the right, and that would free up a wide nine for Gary on the right as well, and then just let Preston do his thing off the backside. But, again, here's Kenny Clark being interviewed by our man, uh, Larry McCarron. Welcome back. This one-on-one is brought to you by Brew Pub, lots of matzo pizza. Kenny, Bears, playoffs, Sunday, Lambeau Field, you're fired up. Oh yeah, I mean, that's that's what you want right there. I mean, you talk about a story and, you know, the way to finish off the season, you know, that's, that's what you want. Okay, in the Viking game, second play of the second half, you jam the blocker, shed the blocker, and make the tackle. Is that still where it all starts for Kenny Clark? Yeah, uh, you know, the foundation is always in the run game, man. Um, you know, everything starts with the run and ends with the run. You know, my job is just to be disruptive and, uh, you know, and, and uh, to make plays and allow other guys to make plays around me. And, um, you know, that's just my key. I just try to just be as disruptive as possible. And uh, when it's my opportunity to make that play, um, you know, I got to make it. You always seem to have a real positive impact for the Packers and a negative impact on the Vikings. Is there something about the Vikings you don't like? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is, but uh, it's just, I love, I, I just love playing them. You know, every time we play them, it's usually a, a, a high stakes game, you know, and you know, it's just a rivalry. I, I just love playing them. He's hit again in sack, this time by Kenny Clark. With a game to go, you already have a career best six and a half sacks. Anything different this year from your perspective or just the way it worked out? I just didn't get away from uh, who I am. And uh, I think this year I just really stuck to my power game. Real proud about how I've been um, playing this year and, uh, and you know finally getting my career high. And just real proud about how, how disruptive I've been. Kenny, you're already an accomplished player. What are you thinking about before I'm done? Yeah, I gotta do this. Before I'm done, I got I gotta get a Super Bowl, man. Um, like I, like I said, I definitely I want to be I want I also want to be an All Pro. Uh, I want to get that under my belt, but um, it's nothing like you know I, I know it's nothing like winning a Super Bowl and um, you know I, I didn't been so close you know for for many a years. I just just want to get that shot and uh, you know get a shot to to go win one. Um, you know for the for the city and. Uh, it, it'd definitely be huge and it put a stamp on, on uh, a lot of stuff that I've done. Love it. Good stuff there from Larry McCarron. We got Jacob joining us now here. Um, Jacob, I apologize, buddy. I, Tim hit me up this morning and was like, dude, I feel like hot garbage. So I was like, all right, cool. I just went in the mode of I'm doing a show by myself. So I forgot to send it out. But how are you doing this morning, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm, uh, yeah, I tried to. I closed last night, so I was like, I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to be up bright and early for Clayton. And I'm knocking on the door like a redheaded stepchild. <laughs> That'll never happen again. I apologize. <laughs> I thought have I was crazy. To, have you been able to hear anything that we've talked about yet? You yeah. got any, any thoughts on anything before we jump into the defense real quick? I mean, I was listening to most of it. Um, I I mean, the Bears defense, I was actually listening to Ryan's podcast this morning, too, before I uh, was blocked from this one. Um, but I was, he was talking about how defense has definitely improved, but it's kind of like a, a paper, paper tiger, I guess. Um, 
Hmm. The fact that they've just, and he didn't say it necessarily in those words, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he looked right. into the fact that it was just very heavily based on the amount of uh, turnovers that they've had, that they've mm-hmm. averaged in those, whatever game span it was, been like six games or something like that, that they've had an average of three turnovers a game. Some games mm-hmm. they have four, you know what I mean? Which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's it, right, it's right. defense. You could justify and say that that's why they are so good. But besides that, uh, the turnovers, basically, he's, he looked at like more of the analytics and the, stats and it's just they're not that much better the, the ball's just been kind of swinging their way kind of thing gotcha gotcha that's an interesting take that's, that definitely uh contrasts with with what i'm saying what i'm seeing um you know i think of 2010 look at how many pick sixes we had down that stretch like the packers don't win that super bowl without those pick sixes you know nick collins in the super bowl tremont williams against the Falcons. B.J. Raji against the Bears. Against the Bears. <laughs> you know yeah. So, yeah, and and I don't – and not not that Ryan's saying this, but I definitely don't see those as negatives, you know. Um, now, are you saying is that unsustainable? I mean, good chance. Some people would say that Jordan Love's play right now is unsustainable, you know. Like, right. how long can he go, you know, only throwing one interception over whatever it is, a seven-game span, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just see him a little bit. I was kind of looking at the PFF grades as well. You know, outside of analytics, let's just kind of look at their PFF grades. Um, where they're grading out right now defensively overall, um, they're actually 26th overall. Run defense, they are grading out, this is PFF again, um, 29th according to PFF. Tackling grade is 12th, so they're a good tackling team according – well, I'd love to be up there. In the, goodness gracious. Anyway, <laughs> and then uh, pass rush – the Chicago Bears, I imagine it's pretty low because outside of Swift, they don't have much of a pass rush. Yeah, they're 31st in pass rush grade. And then coverage, they're 14th in coverage. So one of the better coverage teams. So they um, run mainly zone, if I'm remembering. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. We actually had it last night. I'll show you right here. Um, if I could find it, the identity, they are playing zone 64% of the time and man 19% of the time. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. 64. Yeah. 64% of the time zone. That's 11th most in the league and man only 19% of the time. Their EPA and zone is sixth. Again, it's what we talked about. Everybody was screaming for man coverage in green Bay. You want to know why the picks are down? We're playing more man coverage. Um, they're playing a ton of zone up there and they're getting interceptions. So yeah, I don't see that as a negative. I got to respectfully disagree with that, that, um, I think you got to kind of give credit where credit's due. I've heard a lot of people say that too. That's where I'm like, man, I don't I just uh, – I can't buy that Kirby, man. Um, they may come out and crap the bed. I hope that's the case. But I can't knock a team for getting turnovers. You know, that's what we've been screaming for. To me, it's the dropped interceptions early in the year, too. It's another reason why this defense has struggled. Quay Walker dropped interceptions. Ja had a couple dropped interceptions. Keyshawn Nixon had one that would have sealed the game there early in the season. So, just uh, to each their own. You know what I mean? Um, as far as our defense, though, we were talking about Kenny Clark. Let's get into it here. Let's talk about their offensive line. Jones at left tackle, 71.6. Jenkins at left guard, 74.7. Lucas Patrick at center, 50.5. Davis at right guard, 53.0. Right at 61.4 at right tackle. So the left side of their line is definitely the strength of their offensive line. Um, when you look at our front against theirs, Kenny Clark, 67.4, TJ Slayton, 64.2, Devontae White, 63.5. When we go to our 34 jam, this is a 12 personnel look here. You're going to have Preston Smith out on the edge at 73.5 and Rashawn Gary at an 80. He's the 25th highest graded edge defender right now, according to PFF. So 
the matchup for me personally, there's going to be a lot of chipping going on, but the matchup when they just strictly drop back and pass, which guys, they're going to stay in 12 and 21 quite a bit. They're going to try to prevent Justin Fields from having to play the drop back game. But when he does drop back, I like our Rashawn Gary matchup there against Wright. And what I want to see is what I talked about. I want to see Kenny flipped. I want to see us play. And we played him in tandem with Gary on the right side from the offense's perspective, the technically the left defensive end spot, putting him in a four eye on Wright's inside shoulder and making sure you isolate Gary on Wright. And then, oh, by the way, the byproduct of you being in a four eye and having someone on the opposite side, whether it's C.J. Slayton in the base or uh, Devontae White or Carl Brooks in a in a three-tech or maybe even a two, what that's going to do is it's going to force two isolations with Kenny Clark on the right guard at 53 and Rashawn Gary at an 80 on the right tackle right at 61.4. So that's kind of a matchup I see there. Now, they could they – could, uh, gear this whole offense around boot left and take that completely neutralize that game plan. Right. So just something to keep in mind. What sticks out to you here about the front? Jake? Oh, it's definitely painful seeing names like Patrick and Tanya out there. Um, did you know, uh, is Mercedes Lewis, is he injured for this game or how did that look? Um, last I heard he was battling an injury. We actually had it pulled up just a second ago. Let me see. Let me go to the injury report real yeah, quick. Um, and then I thought Mooney was a little banged up too, but anyways, uh, right. I believe the right tackle, right. Is that their rookie, right? The guy from is it Tennessee. That's correct. Yeah. Arnell. Um, you know, I was a little bit worried when they drafted him that he would be more of a stud. So it's, you know, nice as a Packers fan to see that he's, he seems about pretty lukewarm, but I'm not too mm-hmm. Let's see here. Jeez, every time I see the Packers list, I am. Yeah, it's it's a, so big. Yeah. Okay. Great. It's bad. Um, yeah. So Mercedes Lewis did not participate. Um, it says NIR uh, veteran rest. So okay. yeah, I imagine that's just a vet day. But you see, he's not listed as PFF starters because he's not. He was brought in for what we wanted him to bring him in for. That's to be a veteran presence in the locker room to help these young tight ends. And and really, when you look at kind of how uh, Cole Komet's played, it's worked. 73.7, he's the 12th highest graded tight end. Cole Komet's played pretty well. It's a little so you got to credit uh, you got to credit them for bringing in Mercedes Lewis. Now, Bob Tunyon's been hot garbage, right, 50.3. Like you said, you pointed out Lucas Patrick, 50.5. He's playing even worse than Josh Myers, so – um, no love lost there for me as far from a, on the field standpoint. Now, when you look at the quarterback, Justin Fields, we talked about at 75.1. Herbert is also banged up, 79.2. I'm eager to see what his designation is. Will it be questionable? Maybe will it be doubtful? That's what I'm hoping for. But when you look at Herbert right here, you've got Khalil Herbert, their running back, has got a back injury. Wasn't listed Wednesday, limited on Thursday. That would suggest he's probably going to be questionable for game time or for game day. He'll probably play. Um, I mean, last game of the season, if you're not on IR, hey, look, let's try to muscle through and see if we can right. ruin their season. That's that's their mindset for sure. I'm, I, I mean, I could see a world, like you said, it's the end of the year rivalry game. Um, but I could see a scenario where even like into the first quarter, second quarter, they could be without Herbert Moore and uh, Rick and Mooney because he's battling the concussion thing. Who knows? Yeah, for sure. Now, Moore, I know people like the dog on DJ Moore, but 88.6, dude, he's a top 10 receiver. They hit that. They hit on that. You got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, I, I don't know what other people are seeing, but when I turn on the tape, it's like, yeah, he he is doing his job and he's doing it well. Is he Terrell Owens? No. But, you know, I know this. 
if if one, any one of our receivers was grading out as an 88.6, those same fans that are dogging DJ Moore would be over the freaking moon right now. Right. So we got to you got to call it like it is. That's they hit on DJ Moore. Seems like it was a pretty good trade there. So um, now will the rest of the team show up? That's the question, right? Will that defense be uh, kind of a, a paper paper tiger defense like you were saying and, and like Ryan was kind of pointing out? I hope so. I hope we go out there and drop a 30 burger on, you know, I'm just looking at it going. We're kind of pass happy. We're kind of pass happy on first down. They're stopping the run good. That's the other reason that you're forcing turnovers for them. You're making people play behind the sticks, right? Put come, you know, play from behind schedule. So um, hopefully we'll come out and boat race them. That would be absolutely awesome. I'd love to see that. Uh, so let's see. Uh, we went across the defensive front. Let's move on to tight end. Like we said, Cole Komet, 73.7. Bob Tunyon, 50.3. They're in 12 a lot. Uh, Bob Tunyon, you know, listen, yeah, he can catch a tutter on you. That can happen. He's got, he's had hand, good hands while he was in Green Bay. Is he going to continue? We'll see. But Cole Komet could be a bit of an issue. When you look at our linebacking court, you've got Quay Walker, 59.1. Isaiah McDuffie, if he is cleared at a 58.5. I haven't even really looked at that. I, I seem like I wasn't expecting him playing because of Devondre Campbell. So we'll probably have Devondre Campbell there in his place. Damn, can we find him on this list, Jacob? Let me look. <laughs> <laughs> they're in the middle. Yeah, did not participate. That's not a good sign. Typically, if they're not if they're not at least limited by Thursday, then they won't clear concussion protocol. I mean, there's a slight chance he comes out Friday limited and could play, but I think Devondre Campbell is going to go. Um, that's what it seems like anyway. He's full participation. He'll probably step in. So uh, let's hope we get the old Devondre Campbell and not the one that's been banged up. You know, he's been battling injury all year long, so that could be a a big matchup. Cole Komet. You know, um, are we going to play more man? Are we going to play more zone? That's going to be the question, too. I would like to see a lot of zone blitz. We went through all of the Bears' offensive identity last night, and the answer we came up with was zone blitz. That's what we should kind of attack them with. They're not great under pressure. Um, they're, uh, they're you know, playing better against man coverage than they are zone. Everything kind of points in that direction. But uh, that's how the linebacking core kind of matches up against the tight ends. Now, when we go to the outside, you got Mooney, 55.2. You want to know why the Bears were really bad the last few years? That was like their number one receiver, right? I remember Bears fans saying Mooney is him. Oh, Mooney is not him. No one knows what Mooney is other than the 106th graded wide receiver in the league. That's really bad. And then, of course, you got DJ Moore, like we pointed out, 88.6 on the opposite side. So they're going to move DJ around. He can play in the slot, too. He's a dynamic uh, pass catcher. If we've got Jair back and he is full go, 65.6 is his PFF grade this year. Valentine on the other side, 58.3. Um, I think there's a case to be made. You remember, this is something that no one's talked about, Jacob. I, I've been kind of talking to myself about this. Remember when Jair had his best seasons? He was he was lined up on that right side from the offensive perspective where Val's at. I don't feel like he's had his best years lining up where he's lining up now. I wonder if that has something to do with the dominant eye, you know? That, that just popped in my mind the other day, like, hmm, think about when he was the stud, his best year. What was it, two years ago, right? Two years ago, he was just an absolute monster. Yeah. Was that year two for him? I think it would have been. I'm pretty sure he played the majority of the time on the right side. Just something to think about. It was early in his career. But uh, nonetheless, you know, it comes down to Val or Bow in your base, right? Um I, I love Valentine, but I'm kind of leaning towards why don't we get Valentine another shot? I mean, he did really good against Justin Jefferson, you know. Um, we'll see what they go with. It'll probably be Val because they they you could tell that the way this defense is set up, they typically put the corner on one side or the other. It's not a hey, he's top on the depth chart, let's move him around. 
Um, I know Jair, that last game he played, he got cooked. He played seven snaps in the slot, which was, you know, right at the halfway amount of slot snaps that he's gotten all year long. So um, we got Savage on the backside, should be healthy, 64.7. And then Jonathan Owens has increased a little bit to 61.2. So that's how the secondary matches up against them in our base 34 and them in their 12 personnel. It could be 21. Like I said, they may throw in a fullback instead of Tony in there as well. But anything else you want to hit on there before we move on to nickel? Um, <clears throat> just a, it's something popped in my head as we were talking that when we are, whenever we do get into the offseason, hopefully later than sooner, um, it'd be cool to do a segment where we just compare and contrast how the rookie draft classes did, because I know it's going to be fun for ours. But um, I remember if I remember correctly, like the Bears, they just had a horrible draft. And I want to see at least that was the opinion before the season started, because mm-hmm. I'm looking around at like their wide receiver rankings, like we're talking about there with Moore, Mooney. And then what was the guy like Valerius? They, they were that guy that they drafted. that was like 27 years old special teamer. Right. right. Laughing my butt off at that. But uh, anyways, I just thought it'd be interesting to see how they progressed and if they really did have a horrible draft. Gotcha. Yeah, we, that's going to be fun. We usually do that leading up to the draft. We kind of do a quick recap. I like to look really at my board. Draft time, dude. I really am. What's, what's that? I said I'm really excited for draft time. Yeah, it'll be fun, man. There'll be plenty of time to talk about it for sure. I know people – it's funny watching people, you know, kind of barely know. mention it in the chat and people go, shut up, we're still in season. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> That's why I'm trying to hold off on off-season talk. That's why I'm not buying into the whole we need a coordinator change this and that. It's like there's going to be plenty of time to talk about that. Let's uh, let's see if we can find our way in the playoffs here. Just like last year, same exact position. Some people were going, I don't care. It doesn't matter. We can't win the whole thing. Still, though, you, you do want the Packers to win, right? Right, you do want the Packers to win. <laughs> so um, let's see. When we go to nickel, they're showing the slot receiver being Mooney and keeping DJ Moore lined up on the outside there in that X. Okay, so if if DJ Moore is going to play primary X, you should see him against Alexander quite a bit. Even if we are playing that zone look where Alexander is not going to travel, uh, Mooney in the slot fifty five point two, and then you got Scott on the opposite side at fifty two point six. You see, outside of DJ Moore, really not a whole lot going on. Um, I, with the way Jair's played this year, I don't trust him to just go. Let's play man coverage and let him travel. I'm sorry, he's not been that Jair yet. Maybe this is the game it happens. I hope it's the case, but I, I'm I'm kind of leaning toward let's stay in a zone match, mix in some blitz. And let's make Justin Fields play quarterback. Let's make him sit back there and think. Let's give him five seconds in the pocket and make a decision. Because I think he'll make the wrong decision regardless. And I think he'll rush the pass. Um, I, you know, when I say that, I mean, it, yeah, you want to get to the quarterback as quick as possible, but you don't want to do it at the detriment of leaving leaving a, a running lane open like we did with DeVito. You know what I mean? And try to get too overly aggressive. So um, it's all going to come down to how your, your blitz package works. But Nixon on Mooney, I kind of like our matchup there. I'm not really concerned about it, you know. Um, I think that uh, I think we'll be okay there. Um, the big thing that worries me, though, is their running game, them being able to run the ball on us and get up to an early lead. That could be a problem, especially if their defense continues to play at the level they've played at. You know, one of the things I mentioned too, I'm going to pull it, I can't pull it up on screen, but I'll give you guys the numbers. When you go to points per game as far as defense um, is concerned, in 2023, Chicago's sitting 20th at 22.6. Okay, that's where they're at right now. Uh, to put that into perspective, Green Bay's defense is six spots higher at 21.3. Now, when you go over the last three-game saturation, in the last three games, Chicago's only given up 17.7 points per game. That wasn't one game. That wasn't two games. That was three games. The last three games, they're only giving up 17.7 
points per game that makes them top five in scoring defense over that those those last three games. Now, when you go to the last one, obviously, all right, what was the very last game they played? They only gave up 17 points. So they've been good of late. Now, Green Bay, of course, theirs is going to be very skewed. They're sixth in the league. They only gave up 10 points against the Vikings. Really should have just been three. If it had been three, then they would have been a top three uh, defense scoring defense last week. Now, when we talk about home and on the road, obviously, uh, this is going to be an away game for the Chicago Bears, right? So what are they giving up on the road as far as opponents' points per game? They drop all the way down to 20th on the road. They're giving up 25.4 points on the road. So something to keep your eye on there for sure. At home, they've been uh, much better, obviously, um, coming in at 19.9 points per game. Now, at home, the Packers' defense this year has struggled, but they played well on the road. At home, the Packers are giving up 21.6 points per game. And on the road, they're giving up 21.1 points per game. So a little bit better on the road, the Packers' defense is. So just by those numbers there, right, at home, giving up 21.6 points per game. And then on the for the Packers, that's 21.6, right, is what we would give up. I mean, Chicago would score 21 points. Let's just call it 22. Let's round it up, 22. And Chicago on the road is giving up 25 points. What is that? What's that difference there, Jacob? Help me out. 25.4 and 22 is what, roughly a three-point difference? Is that right? It's about that, yep. Yeah. Now, what's the point spread again? I, I honestly don't know. I didn't see it. It's three points. Hmm. So. You know, I know people like to dog the whole Vegas approach, and when I point out, they really key in on points per play and points per game, and people go, that's a stupid metric. DVOA is the gospel. I go, okay, there's a reason that Vegas can afford to give out those free drinks with the pretty little umbrellas in them, right? So that's kind of how I see it. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be closer than people uh, you know, think, and um, everything's going to be on the line. Cold Lambeau Field, possibly a couple of flurries blowing around. Maybe get some of the uh, the old football gods out there playing a role. But, uh, man, what else could you ask for? Week 18, playoffs on the line, Jacob. I'm excited about this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, uh, I'm really excited. But the only thing is, of course, if you guys know anything about me, I live on the border, and I'm worried that they're going to black this game out because the Vikes play at noon. And usually – I think it might be on CBS, though, even though it's going to be um, – NFC North game. I think if they broadcast it on CBS, it should be able to get past the stupid Minnesota Viking blackout that I live with every year <laughs> well, of my life. If you don't, if you don't, holler at your boy because I'll have I'll, to do the stream. I'll yeah. see what I can do. Um, nothing illegal. No, nope. don't you knuckleheads think of anything like that out there? Um, just uh, yeah, we I got got some good connections up in that area, and we'll we'll make things happen for sure. So. Um, oh, I really do think I, I have a weird, good feeling for this. I'm not really, I'm not nervous about it. I mean, it will be catastrophic if we lose and don't get into the playoffs to the Bears. Oh, yeah. I'll, have a, yeah. I'll have a complete breakdown after that. But for whatever reason, right now, I'm calm. I'm cool. I just feel like it was really um, great to hear. I popped on right when you guys were talking about Jordan Love having the guys over to his house for what was it like dinner or whatever on Mondays. Yeah, That's, I don't know why that got me so jacked up. Like it, it's it, awesome, dude. It made me feel. Like I said, just weirdly confident and calm. I was like, oh, they got this. Like, it, it's not too big for him. He's grown up seeing what Aaron Rodgers used to do and how to lead. And yeah, it is, you know, everybody gets complacent, especially when you get older. And I think that it's so awesome that these dudes, they're young, they're hungry. They're basically a college team. They're like a, a super senior college team. You know what I mean? So, it's, yeah, I, I really, if anything, 
if, if any team were to sneak into the playoffs and go on a run, I really would think it would be a team that's built like this, that's young and doesn't. Maybe they're naive, and that's good. You know, a lot of other yeah. teams think like, oh, we get in, we don't have a defense, we're gonna lose anyways. Well, it's like, yeah, if you think that way, it's probably gonna probably not gonna happen if you're being all negative. So I'm I'm just <laughs> I'm excited. Doug in the chat says, uh, the chat and Matt LaFleur's pressers this week were remarkably toned down on the Joe Barry front, the FJB front. Um, funny how that works. Uh, you go out and you uh, – uh, the defense plays within their scheme. You know, Paul Brittle pointed it out, man. That little mesh crosser play, a little me- a shallow mesh that they ran where we got the pick from Ballantyne. If you're not in zone there, that's a man beater. That's, that's probably going for 25 yards because he had time to get it out to him, right? But because you had everyone passing, passing their targets off through zone, keeping everything in front of them, playing what people hate playing, bend but don't break, it led to a turnover early. And then the next thing you know, Preston Smith wins his one-on-one matchup or else you've got an absolute tutter right down the seam. Um, Preston Smith ends up with a strip sack. I'm talking about this close, and it was a seven-point swing. Really a 14 point swing. When you think about the Packers, I'm pretty sure they went down and got a touchdown after that. So um, it'll be really, really interesting, really interesting uh, to see uh, how they attack Justin Fields for sure. But yeah, the, the, the Joe Barry front, man, it's just, I've tried not to participate as much as possible because when you, you know, talk to former, former players and then you watch the tape yourself and you go, okay, what is the problem? Why is it so bad? And you go, man, what are these guys doing? They're just not playing their assignment. They're, not communicating. They're not, oh, it's just an excuse. Fire Joe Barry, get the pitchforks. I'm going, okay. I'm just telling you right now, if the players play exactly the same way they did under another DC, you're going to get the same result. So you better hope they come in and do a, an absolute culture shock. And I'm of the opinion, I don't know if Matt LaFleur is that type of guy. Like it, one of the faults that I think Coach LaFleur has is he takes the approach of, I'm going to get someone in here to do the best job, but they're not going to challenge me. That's kind of what it feels like. You know, why did you get rid of Mike Pettin? He's a former head coach, been a successful D.C. across the league. It's like, okay, he's got more pelts on the wall than me right now. It's hard to lead in a room when you see this guy looking over your shoulder and you hear leaders in the locker room like Zadarius Smith and, and Aaron Rodgers going, man, Mike Pettin's the – remember how they praised him? Mm-hmm. Love his leadership. Loves, love his style. He demands respect. The same thing they said about Basaccia. Next thing you know, Matt gets rid of him. It's like, oh, maybe he's a little, you know what I mean, worried about that looking over his shoulder. So are you going to bring in someone who's proven? If you do get rid of Joe Barry, you're gonna just going to bring in another another name where you go, okay, you're going to do exactly what I tell you to do. I know the head coach is in charge, don't get me wrong, but I just don't know how much would change as far as what's happening on the field. But so Go ahead, I'm sorry. Real quick, when did Darius leave? Did he leave when Petten was still the D.C.? Did they leave together or did Barry no. – if I remember correctly, I could be wrong. You guys correct me in the chat. Um, I'm pretty sure they fired Petten. Then that next year was when Zadarius got upset about the captain thing, and then Zadarius left and joined Petten in Minnesota. Um, there were several people. Remember, they took he took our outside linebackers coach. Our outside linebackers coach actually chose to go to Minnesota. It was he asked, "Hey, can I make this lateral move?" Essentially, and we granted it to him. So. He, uh, he was one of those guys that said, if Petten's not here, I'm not going to be here. So um, just another – that's the way I'm remembering. I could be wrong. You know, I haven't dove too much into that, but that's that's how I remember it. Um, so, yeah. 
But uh, Omer says, yes, what's the weather forecast like, Clayton? So here's the weather forecast for Sunday right now. They're in the day. All we got is the daytime. We don't have the hourly yet, right? We got the daytime and the nighttime. Daytime, mostly cloudy, high of 37, 9% chance of snow. And then uh, Sunday night, you've got a low of uh, yeah, low of 27 and a 12% chance of snow. So right around a 10% chance of flurries is what you're looking at. Uh, game time is probably going to be somewhere in the around 30, I would imagine, 30, maybe 32-ish. Uh, just a good cold weather game at Lambeau, not too cold. I'm eager to see how Jordan Love continues to play in the cold weather, Jacob, because that's when the Packers really went on their run. When Favre was young, they dominated in the cold. They used that as a home field advantage. The same thing with Aaron when he was young, but as each of those guys got older, man, it's uh, – listen, I'm 41. I walk that trash can down to the street. And it's, you know, like this morning, 19 degrees. I'm going, eh, boy, this feels different now than when I was 28. <laughs> I'm just saying. So everybody gets old, right? Um, what else you got, Jacob? Anything else you want to cover, man? Anything on your mind? I apologize for not getting you in here sooner. I went a little over so you could kind of hang out for a minute. But No, you're good. Um, did you guys ever do any conspiracy corner about the Joe Barry game ball situation or – okay. we, we briefly mentioned it. Do you got any information on that? I just think – I mean – Strange, I mean, obvious i mean it looks like that was cut and clipped and i can only imagine that yeah they they either did the game ball thing and they just don't even want to show that they're acknowledging joe barry or they said game ball joe barry and you could hear a dime drop in that place or crickets and you're just like oh and and let's play devil's advocate for a minute again we have no information to suggest this is true okay where this is the conspiracy corner for a reason matter of fact i'm going to hit it just once we won't play the whole thing but we got it we got to set the tone So for those of you who don't know, <laughs> so they good. gave they gave out. I said I wasn't gonna play the whole thing. Here we are. We're an hour and seventeen minutes in. <laughs> they they gave the game balls out, but. Okay, it's like, okay, you give the game balls out, whatever, whoever they go to. And then all of a sudden, there's a picture that emerges and the video pops up and Joe Barry's holding the ball. Now, a couple of things could have happened. Maybe one of the players that got the game ball gave it to Joe Barry. I think they would have shown that, right? I think it is funny that like three different players come out this week and was just absolutely praising Joe Barry, that they loved his scheme, loved his play calling. You got to give him credit here. Then, of course, like whether you think he's a good leader or not, like any good leader does, they would deflect that praise. And his presser, they asked him, he said, it wasn't a good game, a big win for me. It was a big win for us. Um, but all of a sudden he pops up with a game ball and it's like, how did we not see them give him that game ball? Hmm. Now, if that is the case, let's play devil's advocate for a minute. What it suggests, and it's the only thing I could come up with, maybe you disagree, Jay, is they've already made the decision to move on without him. They know that. But then the media department would have to know that. I'm sorry, that's probably getting leaked out, you know. But what do you think, Jacob? What what you got? Oh man, I uh, I don't know honestly. I I could see it both ways, like you said. I just I, Matt Lafleur is so buddy buddy with Joe. I believe that I don't think that he would want, and I think the Packers organization just want to protect the allure or the the illusion that everything's fine. They got this all held together and that there's not really inner turmoil or drama. And I'm not saying there is a lot, but like you said, maybe if they have already came to the decision that, I mean, unless 
I would love to to really honestly have the conversation once we get there. If we were to run the table, we make it to the Super Bowl, and then be like, "So we're going to fire Joe Barry?" Like, what are we going to do? And I, people's heads would literally explode. I mean, it'd be fifty fifty because I know. I mean, it, it would be really fun to have an argument there. I would almost pay like two debaters to go at it, and I'd be like, mm. I, yeah. it, I would love to have that problem. So maybe we cross that bridge when we come to it. But at the, in the meantime, now, I mean, I'm just. Let's get through Sunday. I, I'm just so excited. And I think I saw in the chat that Carly did confirm that uh, the Vikings are going to be on Fox and that the uh, Bears-Packers game will be on CBS. So I got no problems. I love that 3 o'clock start, too. I think I just feel like that in my head. I know I, I, I think that just the Packers. I wish we could see some stats on that to see what their overall record is at the 3 o'clock slot versus, like, your prime time and all that. Which Maybe that's another offseason thing we can do. Yeah, three, 325 kickoff CBS. That's what they're showing here, too. So Heck Yeah. Uh, that's going to be Jim Nance and Tony Romo. I know people like the dog on them. They always like the dog on the top crews. I love Tony Romo and Jim Nance. I really like, do. They're like, oh, Tony gets on my nerves. He's kind of quirky. I love that about I don't know, Jim. He said he sounds like he's a couple Coronas deep in the broadcast. And I, I respect that. I do. I tip my cap. <laughs> Have a good time up there, Tony. Enjoy it, man. You're living your best life, getting paid darn good money to talk about a kid's sport. It's yeah. awesome. Absolutely awesome. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Joe Barry, the, the whole conversation with Joe Barry has been interesting all year long. I'm just – I've tried to steer clear of it here of recently because it's just – when I seen that poll and it was, you know, like 85, whatever it was, almost 90% of Packer fans said they would rather lose out and fire Joe Barry than make the playoffs and uh, and keep him. It was just like, man, okay, I'm – this is not going to go good for me. I'm just going to keep my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, I showed that on here out of respect. I'm just like, I'm done because I just cannot get on board with that. And and it's uh, many people message me like Clayton. That's the that's the loud minority in this of the of the uh, of the fan base. And I'm going, I don't know, guys. That's all I've heard all year long is how Joe Barry is the only thing wrong with this team. And uh, the first third of the season, really the first almost the first half of the season, the defense was carrying the offense. Um, we forget that. Don't be surprised if the defense all of a sudden cranks up here at the end because they did it last year. They did it Joe Barry's first year when they held San Francisco to only three points in the NFC Championship, too, if you guys remember that. Oh, God. Um, so, so saying, uh, that year right there, when you watch that game, many people put it on Aaron Rodgers because he didn't throw to Alan Lazard running butt naked through the trailer park. He tried to throw in a double coverage to Tay. But we had a punt blocked that was returned for a touchdown. That was the difference in the game. I think we had a field goal blocked in that game as well. So to sit here and pretend like it was just Aaron Rodgers or it was just that one specific play because, you know, drunk podcasters want to screen grab that and harp it as if that's the only thing. That's Joe Barry this year is the equivalent of that for me. Um, Every year they try to find one villain and go, he's the reason. That's the guy that needs to pay for this. Um, but uh, if if we were to rewind and go back to that year and with the special teams we've got now, they're not great. They're still bottom half of the league, but they're not horrible, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is how many field goals have been blocked this year? Yes, we've mixed, missed some extra points, but how many field goals have we blocked? Andres Carlson hitting basically game-winning field goals this year, right? Our punter, Daniel Whelan, I don't know where he ranks, and I'm not a punter. Uh, punting aficionado, but I'm uh, whatever, however the hell you say it. I'm just telling you right now, man. When he when he connects with that ball, I'm going. 
we got us a punter. We got us a punter for the next four years, and that's exciting. So if you put us in that same exact scenario, that same exact situation with our special teams, we're going to the Super Bowl that year. That's a fact. Actually, it wouldn't have been – that was the divisional round, wasn't it? Am I thinking right? That was actually the divisional round. So, I think so, yeah. Yeah. It was the year before with Mike Pettin that we gave up the uh, the touchdown right before halftime because we were playing cover two zone, which made no sense whatsoever. No one was screaming we need to be a more aggressive back then, were they? We were getting the bunker blown out right before halftime by Tom Brady and absolutely crapping the freaking bed. So, anyway. Why are we reliving these bad moments? I don't know, man. Stop. <laughs> you did this, Jacob. This is your yeah. fault. <laughs> nah, but we'll see how it plays out Sunday, though. I'm excited, man. Um, no show tonight. Going to go out to dinner with the wife, so we're going to hang out this evening. Um, usually Friday nights I take off, and then we will be back tomorrow morning for Good Morning Lambo. We'll be back tomorrow night for PTA Live, giving you the latest information. We'll be doing a pregame show Sunday and a postgame show Sunday. So uh, really excited about the content we got coming up for sure. I want to give a special shout out to Ty Fisher and Packer Up for becoming members of the PTA Posse, YouTube members here on the channel. If you guys are interested in that, just click on our homepage, click join. And uh, once you once you do join that, we enter you into giveaways that we do throughout the season. This Sunday, for anyone who is a member by midnight tomorrow night, um, that's Eastern time, uh, you will be entered onto the wheel, and we're going to be giving away an autographed David Bakhtiari jersey. So uh, make sure you become a YouTube member before then. That way you can get your name entered into that contest. also want to give a special shout-out to Jacob Buss for the Super Chat and uh, saying, hey, man, uh, why don't you send me a link here? Um, and you did say 65%, so let's hit it for you one more time here before we go. Let's get it. 65%. 65%. <laughs> that's what we all right, that's it. We're out of here. Thanks to everybody in the chat. You guys lit it up. Hit that lock on your way out for us. That'll help other Packer fans find this content, find this channel. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us. Um, for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world, and go Pack Go.